0: You just don't have good luck with anything technology related at all.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean right. you, know you what? had That's... the solar panels that uh, burned on their roof too, right?
2: Oh, and <laughs> and my pool filter caught on fire. Um what? Yeah. His <laughs> pool, yeah. pool catches on fire too. What the heck? I mean
0: <laughs>
1: some say it's a gift, I don't know. Somebody's trying to tell you something, man. I, I'm I don't I don't know what else to say. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to another installment of Confetti T with your SE. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show, especially those made by Craig. I am your host, Brian Young, and today we're going to be talking about Cisco Talos. And joining me today uh, is Craig Williams from Talos. How are you doing, Craig? Pretty good. How are you? Good, thanks. And also, Sean Mason, also from the Talos organization. Sean, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. I appreciate both of you guys being on today. Um, I've been looking forward to doing this episode for a while now, um, really get diving deep into the Talos organization within Cisco and finding out uh, what it's all about, where Talos helps and uh, besides just coming up with hilarious podcasts every couple of weeks. Um, so Craig, um, I'll start off with you kind of, can you give us a high level overview on,
2: on what Talos does and, and where it sits and how it helps our customers? Sure, you know at a really high level, Talos is basically the security research organization in Cisco that hunts for the latest threats, that looks for new techniques that actors are using, uh, that basically exists to find out new ways to protect our customers and to validate that the existing methods work. You know, uh, at, at the end of the day, Talos's core value is to protect our customers. But while we do that, we also do tons of threat research, and so this produces coverage in the products. It produces things like blog posts. It produces things like new marketing campaigns so that, you know, people in sales and outside of the company and everywhere else can be informed as to what we're doing. So, you know, really when it comes down to it, Talos has many, many, many roles. And I think Sean here is going to talk about one of our new efforts. Uh, And so hopefully everybody finds that new and exciting. Yeah, that um, that um, by
0: the time this podcast gets published, that would have been announced uh, two days prior. So we'll definitely be circling back with uh, with Sean on that as we get there. So you, Craig, you are the head of uh, the Talos Outreach Program. That's correct.
2: Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So uh, the Talos Outreach Organization basically works very, very closely with the IR team, with the intelligence organization within Talos, with detection and research within Talos, and with, you know, even things like graphics and marketing within Talos to find out what the threat actors are doing to make sure that the coverage is in place and that it works, and then to produce content that we can use to communicate those messages throughout the world, basically. And so... When you see people on talos in the news when you see them on tv when you see them you know in forbes being quoted that's usually people from the outreach organization using intelligence gained from all the other pieces of talos and a lot of it we even discover for ourselves you know i think one of the things that people don't realize about talos is just simply the sheer size of it Uh, you know right now we have over 350 members across the world and so when it comes down to it, I think we're one of the largest intelligence organizations out there, you know, outside of government. That's a pretty uh, pretty impressive
0: statistic. Um, I know that on the the Beers with Talos podcast that I listen to and I encourage uh, my listeners to listen to if you haven't already checked it out. Um, I remember a while back, the, the topic was brought up on why Talos may not be always the first to come out with some sort of uh, announcement or discovery of... You know, some zero day or active exploit or whatever's going on, um, and I, I know that I think it was you actually that had some pretty strong opinions on why it's important um, necessarily to not be first, but to be accurate uh, when it comes to reporting those types of incidents, and um, you know, especially in, in something that's happening very quickly, very a very fluid situation. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit more about about your uh, your thought process behind that? Yeah, let me let me clarify. We love to be
2: first, right? <laughs> uh, you know, we're usually, honestly, we're first a lot of the time. You know, like when it comes to right. giant global attacks like NotPetya, we were the first ones on the ground. We were the first ones to discover what happened. We were the first ones with a cohesive write-up onto exactly what happened. Um, but in addition to being first, and I think this is what you're getting at my speech about, more importantly, it's about being right Uh, To go back to the NotPetya example, since that was really, I think, you know, without a doubt, everyone would agree with me. And Sean, feel free to jump in. Probably the worst cyber attack in the history of the Internet. Right yeah right I mean we saw, and,
1: yeah I was going to say i can't disagree with you on that one i mean we were we were pulling all the levers from an instant response perspective, right we were gearing up like we had never geared up before right it wasn't a wasn't a one off event this was a global event, and we had all hands on deck ready to ready to rock and roll, so you're you're absolutely correct,
2: yeah, I think the number spit out by the u s government was uh in the hundreds of billions of dollars mm-hmm. in damages range, so you know, it was a significant impact, but unfortunately, what we saw, and again, this was exactly the same mistake we saw with WannaCry three months earlier, was that several of the smaller security companies they wanted to have a press release out immediately, and they put out bad intelligence. Uh, we saw multiple companies say that things were spreading via email. Uh, we saw multiple companies give out uh, bad data, bad coverage, bad detection. Um, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, so I'm not going to name names on this. Although, if you would like to hear names named, tuned into the Beers of Talos podcast on <laughs> talosintelligence.com. Great plug. <laughs> um, but it's important for us to make sure that when we give our customers information, not only are we first or very, very close to it, but they can trust what we tell them is correct. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not any good to help your customer. If in doing so, you tell them something's spreading by email and they shut down their email, and then it turns out an hour later it's not. Yeah. Right. That doesn't help anybody. That doesn't protect anything. And unfortunately, we see it again and again and again. Um, and so when we respond to things in TALOS, so, you know, a lot of times uh, Sean and I and our intelligence team will be working on something in real time. Mm hmm. Right. Literally, my team will be working on it. Sean's team will be on the customer site doing IR. Intelligence will have reverse engineers in the lab playing with it, throwing different scenarios at it, seeing how the malware reacts. And we'll literally be crafting up the messages and ensuring coverage works in real time. And so we'll preface the blog with, hey, this is an ongoing threat. This blog will be updated periodically throughout the day. Here's what we know. And so we'll have a section with all of the facts that are indisputable. And then we may have a section with here's what we believe. You know, here's what we have high confidence in that we're not 100%, but we're 95%. And so we'll outline scenarios like that so that customers can make those educated guesses. But what we don't do is rush to be first and throw out bad intelligence just to get a headline. Because at the end of the day, that doesn't really help anyone.
0: I thought the phrase at the end of the day was uh was stricken from all Cisco use at Cisco. did you not get that on my- <laughs> <laughs> no no i don't
2: I don't read Cisco email um you know
1: yeah, and Craig, I was gonna add to that too if you don't mind, so it's you know, when you talk about things that we haven't seen before, right? And, you, and and I think about our day-to-day operations. For a lot of what we do, we've kind of seen the threats before. We we have playbooks, believe it or not, right? We have our, we're always preaching about having IR playbooks. We have our own playbooks, and we go, hey, we've seen this before. We know exactly what to do. But then there are those cases where you know we come in boots on the ground, and we go. Whoa! We have not seen this one yet. We're not quite sure, you know, how it comes in, how it spreads, what we should be doing, um, and that's where I think the the, the power of Talos from from the intelligence organization and the response organization come together because it's not just about that one customer either. It's about saying, Hey, look, this is new. We're learning as we go here and then taking that information, boiling the ocean, and then kind of to your point, getting it back out to the rest of our customers, thousands of Cisco customers who can then use that information, that actual intelligence and actually change what they're doing um, and hopefully protect themselves um, from getting hit as well. I mean, that's a, it's a powerful thing that we have there.
0: Yeah, I remember Mitch actually spoke to that, too. Um, Mitch was alluding to the fact that about 99% of what you guys collect and see from the various data sources, honeypots, et cetera, around the world um, is stuff that you guys have already seen before. It's stuff that you know how to block. It's, it's, it's you know, old news, but it's that 1% that you guys really dive into, and that's what makes uh, the Talos piece of, of Cisco so valuable
2: you telling me Mitch stole my talking point? That's <laughs> all
1: right. Well, he's not, he's <laughs> not here to
0: defend himself. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll throw you, I'll throw you one Craig, but I, I remember you guys um, pinged us. I want to say it was probably about two and a half, three months ago at this point in time. And you guys said, Hey, have you guys seen anything around Emotep? Because it looks like the C2 infrastructure went offline. And we were thinking, you know, yeah, it's been a little quiet over here on the response side of the house. Uh, I wonder what's happening. And, I, how long were they offline do you remember Craig? it was it was a nice long vacation it, it, it really I do believe they actually took a little vacation there <laughs> you know I mean adversaries need to spend their money somehow, right yeah and uh, I'm sure they're chilling on a beach and going hey what's the next what's the next thing we're gonna do here um, but then they were we uh, we saw the C2 come back up and we actually alerted uh, all of our response customers, all our response retainer customers and I want to say within 10 days. The phone started ringing. Right, it was just again. We didn't know what was going to happen, but we felt something was coming in, and sure enough, um, things had changed. And here they were, you know, back in force.
2: Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. And I think what Mitch was probably getting at is just the sheer visibility and depth that Talos has. It's really something that is unprecedented. I mean, it's it's not something our competitors can compete with. Right, We don't have a single antivirus product with a million customers. Right, We don't have a single network device with a million customers. Right, We have multiple things across multiple protocols, across completely different visibility spectrums, and that really allows us to get the big picture. And so what happens is we're aware of lots of things that our competitors aren't. And so when we see these reports come out where someone's like, oh, it's the new blah. It's like, well, Yeah, I mean, we've been seeing that for three weeks. You know, we didn't report on it because there's nothing really new to the story. You know, one of the things that's very important to my organization uh, is that, you know, it's basically there's a lot of noise and intelligence reporting as far as InfoSec, right? And we never really want to add to the noise without something new to say. And so we try to avoid doing uh, what we call me too posts, right? We don't need to say me too, me too. I also saw that. Um, because we find new things, we find, uh, you know, foreign governments attacking other governments for intelligence reasons, for espionage purposes, and we find new threats and we find new malware campaigns and we find threat actors utilizing new vectors and new techniques. And so those are the things we try to report on, right? Things that are actionable, things that our customers need to read so that they can make sure detection is in place. And, you know, quite frankly, even if they don't have the right Cisco security product, you know, let's say they made a mistake and bought the wrong thing. Well, good news for them. You know, most of our competitors have been forced to support the Snowant rule set just simply due to the amount of coverage that it can provide. And they can take our community rules and use that to import them into their device and shore up that missing coverage.
0: Makes makes sense to me. Now, Craig I you know you know I, I come from the the sales side of the house and I I do remember the comment that you made on the Talos uh, uh Beers with Talos podcast about uh Mitch going to Vegas and uh uh catching some sort of disease from all of us which uh I I take some issue with but I'll 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 let that one slide for now I think it was uh, the flu or something like that um but um how
2: is How does <laughs>
0: How does the uh, Talos outreach program help with the uh, Cisco sales side of the team? Because we do have a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners are internal Cisco and, and from other sales teams. Um, how does the uh, how does the Talos outreach program help
2: with us? Yeah, so our, our primary goal is to basically be you know thought leaders in the industry to go out there, make sure people are aware of these threats, make sure they're aware of how they operate make sure they're aware of the ways that you can protect yourself. Now, as far as Cisco internal, we also take it a step further and highlight which products are ideal, uh, right? Because obviously, if you're a Cisco customer, our goal is not really for you to have to do anything. You know, if you own end-to-end Cisco devices, you should just be covered, right? It'll magically happen. Light blinks, you feel good about it, the threat gets blocked. That's how it should work. Now, the problem comes in is what happens if you don't own Cisco end-to-end devices? What happens if you don't own the right device, right? How hard can you cram a round peg in a square hole and be covered? Well, that means you might need to read a little bit. Uh, And so we'll help have those conversations with customers. We'll work with sales to go to different regions and talk to customers at security conferences and things like that. You know, I don't know if people have realized, but at things like Cisco Live, at DEF CON, Black Hat, RSA... There's usually a huge Talos presence, and you can go to the booth and watch our booth talks. Uh, We take it a step further than most. We actually have talks given by the researchers themselves about the threat they researched at the booths at Black Hat, for example. So if you have very specific questions, you can ask the person who wrote the coverage. You can ask the reverse engineer who figured out how the encryption system worked. Uh, And so you can have those deep technical conversations, if you'd like. You know, we also will allow sales to invite us to uh, customer briefings. And so if a customer really wants to talk about something specific, and if we have the ability to travel to the region, uh, we'll definitely do that and have those conversations. But you know, luckily we're Cisco. We have awesome technology like telepresence. Uh, We have, you know, things like podcasts and all kinds of other ways that we can help inform them as well. So, you know, we try to get the information out there in as many different ways as we can. We try to cover as many bases as possible. Um, And so, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do, is to help inform and protect our customers.
1: Hey, Craig, the only thing, I I thought you actually were going to plug TTRS there for a minute, but... uh...
2: Ah, yeah, well, we definitely can. It's a little bit early, but I'll definitely happily throw it out there. What's TTRS? Well, so every year uh, after Cisco Live, sorry, before Cisco Live, (laughs) uh, we usually have the Talos Threat Research Summit. It happens the Sunday before Cisco Live. Historically... That may change in the future. You know, maybe we'll shift it to a different date, but it's usually paired up with Cisco Live where we'll have a Talos Defender Conference by defenders for defenders where we'll have uh, a call for papers and people in the industry can submit talks and then come out and have talks about, you know, ways to defend their network that have been successful, things that defenders should know, know, new tools and techniques. And so it's just a really informative security conference But it doesn't focus on, uh, let's call it stunt hacking, right? Uh, It focuses on useful information. It focuses on information you can use to defend your network. And so I think for most customers, it's much more useful than some other conferences.
1: Yeah, and Craig, if I can, I'll just throw one in there too. I mean, unfortunately, I have to go to so many conferences per year. I mean, it's just part of my role. Um, You know, RSA, Black Hat, Cisco Live, so on and so forth. And I really think the addition of the Talos Threat Research Summit in conjunction with all the other security material that's at Cisco Live, for me personally, it's become my favorite security conference. And I don't think it was necessarily designed that way, um, but I think it's just naturally evolving to to be that. So I, I just want to throw a shameless plug in there that for me personally, you know, having gone to a number of these things, it doesn't get any better for my money than Cisco Live. Good, good to know. Um, we're planning on doing
0: um, some si- some type of Cisco live coverage uh, next year, so I'll have to see if we can't do some coverage of the uh, the research summit as well. I think that would be uh, beneficial. Switching gears here to kind of the, the incident response side of the house, we just published an episode um, where we spoke with Caitlin Kaddoff, who is uh, my rep for um services uh, new attach and um, we kind of talked about Cisco CX and that entire life cycle of the uh, of, of the product, right All, everything from uh, discovery and, and sell to support and services and, and, and renewals and stuff like that. And incident response was something that we, we touched on. Um, but I wanted to uh, wait until uh, we had an opportunity to record this episode. Uh, especially with the publishing date coming out two days after the announcement here, um, what uh, Sean can you tell me about um, is, is Cisco's incident response and and where Talos
1: plays uh, a, a key role in that? Yeah, great great question. That's a loaded question. That's that's I could probably talk for hours on it. To be <laughs> frank, so. Um, so for those who, who don't necessarily know me, uh, I'm Sean Mason, I, and I came in about four and a half years ago and helped build out the Instant Response organization. And you ask me how Talos plays into that. The first thing I said when I got here was, where are our intelligence folks? Right, mm-hmm. Where do they sit? Who do I need to talk to? And I think it was my second week at Cisco where I flew up to, to Maryland. I think it was the old offices in Columbia, if I'm not mistaken, um, and met with the Talos leadership. Right. And it was like, Hey guys, this is what we're trying to do. And how do we work together moving forward? And I think if you, if you listen to a lot of what Craig's saying, I, and hopefully um, some of the comments I was peppering in there, right? We have a very tight relationship over the last, what, I think four and a half years, right? Where, as I always say, you can't have solid instant response without a very, very solid foundation of intelligence. So, mm-hmm. We, we work hand in hand, day in and day out um, on pretty much everything. So all the way from, you know, what you would consider your emergency response, right, which is, you know, hey, somebody got hit with uh, ransomware or maybe there's an insider who, who did something nefarious or uh, there's been a data breach and uh, organizations lost uh, information all the way to some of our productive services as well. Like, uh, hey, we're coming in and we're performing a hunt, right? We have a customer who thinks they might be leaking data out of a certain office or um, maybe the FBI called and um, they're asking um, a lot of questions and the customer needs some help, right? So we'll pull in our our intelligence folks, our researchers there uh, as well. So to to ask, you know, how does Talos play into instant response? You know, to me, it's just... um, it's just tangled and embedded and weaved in there all over the place. If that makes sense,
0: uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and you kind of touched on the, the different pieces there um, of the incident response. Uh, I guess you know, from where I look at it, the incident response skews right. Um, when we touched upon the the retainer skew that we that we have, that I've. Uh, I've personally uh, spoken to quite a number of customers about, uh, and the value there. Can, can you touch on that a little bit and, you know, kind of talk about the,
1: the different pieces of, of what makes up that retainer skew? Yeah, absolutely. So the retainer is what I would call our bread and butter, right? So it's a probably about, I'll say 98% of our business. And part of that is also driven from the fact that even though we have our emergency SKUs, um, when we come in and we, we talk to a customer and, and they're not necessarily on retainer, we usually end up putting them in a retainer <laughs> vehicle anyway because we just say it's a better value and it's, it's more of a relationship um, that we're going to maintain moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. So when I say it's about 98% of our business, it's not necessarily by design, but it's sort of by design, if that makes sense. Um, So the retainer is, in my mind, um, and again, I'm biased here, right, because I've helped build this thing out. But I don't think for your money, if you look at any of our competitors, it's not even close to to the value that Cisco brings, right? So first and foremost, you absolutely have access to your incident responders. And we actually go so far as to dedicate incident responders to each account. So you're not just calling in and getting a a random individual you've maybe never spoken to before. You're actually going to get to know your folks like a Pierre or Brad or Camille. Um, And that is really valuable over the course of time, right? We have some retainer customers who've been with us, you know, three, four years, and they just have these guys on speed dial. They're texting in the background, they're chatting on the side because it's really kind of an extension of their organization. So first, you know, I'd say that's one of those key things. Secondly, Um, And I think uh, it's been mentioned numerous times at Cisco, but we have a ton of collaboration technology. And one of the things we do is leverage uh, WebEx Teams, and we use that for what we call IR on demand. So we actually sit in Teams rooms with our customers day in and day out, and that provides immediate access to folks. Right. So if you think about it, we're all sitting at our computers all day long, and, hey, I'm seeing something weird pop up. Um, We have a weird IP address, came across, not quite sure what it means. Boom, throw it into the team's room, chat with your dedicated responders. And that is invaluable, right? It's not sitting, calling in, waiting online line for, you know, three hours or something and, and trying to get a, an answer. It's it's pretty quick. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that we bake in is a lot of proactive services as well. So all the way from tabletop exercises to readiness assessments to um, thread hunting to compromise assessments, you name it. There's a bevy of stuff in there. Um, the newest thing we've just added, we went through uh, and built out what we call cyber range. So there's a lot of different cyber ranges out there. We get it. We actually looked at a number of them because we wanted to bake some sort of training into um, our retainer, right? So we can make our customers smarter, and stronger, more resilient. And we said, you know what? We don't really like a lot of these cyber ranges out here. We want to build something. Uh, By responders for defenders. Right. So we actually went through, spent the money, uh, spent the time um, and actually built something that, frankly, what we're hearing is really well received out there. So if you think about the emergency response, the dedicated responders, the ability to hop into an IR on demand room, um, the number of proactive services that we have baked in the access into, you know, we'll say not just the responders, but also to the intelligence organization of Talos. And last but not least, training, right, in the form of Cyber Range. For my money, there is no better retainer out there on the market, period, point blank.
2: Yeah, and just to, just to highlight, I think one of the things that people may read over from what you said is, you know, why would you go to a competitor who's going to go to the Talos blog and read about what we found when you can, you know like <laughs> that's great when you can literally go to the ir team that works with the researcher that discovered it that's aware of the absolute latest variant that maybe only hit one customer in you know a eastern european country because they were still beta testing the new variant and we already have coverage in place and we can already talk to you about it and make sure that it's you know correct uh, it's just a much better way to deal with it right you obviously want the people who found it to help mitigate it first
1: Yeah. You know, that's funny, Craig, because we actually had a customer maybe about a year ago or so. um, And they called in and um, we we have what we call a scoping call, talk to them. And they ultimately went with somebody else. and, And the reason they gave is, well, we don't think you guys know this threat. And we're like, we, we literally are the ones that discovered this threat. Like we know exactly <laughs> what to do. And we, I think we had three or four of those um, incidents actually going on at the same time. And we're like just scratching our heads. Like we had a playbook and everything. We're like, okay, that doesn't make sense to us, but sure. Um, we will, we'll be here if you need us. So, I guess that's kind of the uh, the double edged sword here of uh, of
0: putting out all that information across as many you know channels as you can, right? I know the the Cyber Threat Alliance uh, is one of them as as well, um, but our, our, the information that you guys discover and 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 publish is available to everyone,
2: including some of the competitors out there if they if they want to use it and, and tout as their own. Well, that's, um, so that that's kind of a, a common misconception. We provide enough intelligence. So that our competitors can help us stop the attackers. That does not mean they have our complete insight, or they understand the architecture as well as we do, or that they can see stubs in the malware where, say, new features are being developed that haven't been fully implemented. So right. it's not the same, right? Having that type and of and I'm, I'm sure they're pretending like it is. Well, yeah, you yeah, know, you know, it's I, you know, in a, in a sense, you have that. I'm stopping the variant today. I'm putting out. The fire that's lit right now, which is great. But wouldn't it be cool if you could clear the brush around the fire before it also ignites, right? And that's, that's really what the intelligence behind Talos allows you to do is to have that larger perspective, to see what's going to happen, to have an intelligence team that's ready and waiting for that to happen with plans in place for when it does happen, so that it doesn't surprise you so that it doesn't ruin your day.
1: And Craig, just to add to that too, you know, I think the other key thing is when we do have customers call in, either on retainer or for an emergency, nobody, we'll say, except for maybe some of the largest organizations in the world, nobody has their entire house in order. And the other thing that we bring uh, through our retainer and our emergency vehicles, if you will, are access into our enterprise class tools, right? So it's not uncommon for us to go in there, drop in, and for endpoints, maybe drop in Umbrella, um, we drop in StealthWatch. Um, we've become actually pretty adept at deploying Duo now for multi-factor. Um, so bringing those tools to to the fight, and we don't charge for them, much like we don't charge for our Talos Intelligence organization doing the work on the back end, that is also invaluable. That's not something our competitors can bring. And I, can, I don't necessarily want to name and shame, but... There are competitors out there where their opening gamut is obviously to install their install their tools, and they start charging what they call rent uh, immediately, right? And we're like, hey, we, we're just going to get you through this thing here. Um, we got a trial license of sixty days, and then we'll deal with it later, right? Right. Um, that to me again is huge. I was just going to throw it out there for the naming and shaming. Yeah. That portion
2: is conducted at security conferences after the work is done at the bar. It's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That no, makes makes sense, and I, I, that's something that I've
0: tried to explain to my customers as well, right? Because, you know, the, the biggest thing that I'm I'm talking about when I'm when I'm working with my customers is when you're when you're looking at that kind of uh, Cisco Better Together story, and that's something that competitors have used against us, right? Where they've kind of just pushed the 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 the, the misnomenclature that you have to just buy more Cisco security products in order to get complete coverage, and it's like, okay, well. They have to, you have to understand too that there's not one single attack vector there's no there's no uh um, mm-hmm. silver bullets here there's there's not one product that's going to protect against all attack vectors. The nice part about uh, Cisco and, and where we stand is that we do have something in just about every single uh piece of that puzzle whether it's email and intrusion web whatever uh, or you know endpoint infection you know and what to do there. Uh, and the, the idea is, is that we are actually communicating uh, between those products and something that's seen by email um, or something that's seen by a firewall can then be uh, protected against on, on email very, very quickly. It's, it's that ability to pivot. Uh, the use case and, and example that I always give is that WannaCry, for example, was the, the attack vector was intrusion. That was the way that it propagated out. Um, but if the attack vector changed and it became an email attachment that was sent out to a phishing campaign because we already have the we, we've already blown up the malware and we know what to look for the email security product is going to see that right away and and stop it there whereas if you have a competitor that's only in a, a, a niche market that'll say they only do email or they only do intrusion that's the only thing that they can guard against right and and that that's one of the big differentiators with Cisco security versus the, the competition
2: well and I think a, a better example of that is scope. You know, one of the things that always happens is that I see customers absolutely flip out because of uh, an attack against one of their competitors. Uh, you know, let's let's say the um, manufacturing industry, for an example. You know, uh manufacturer will get compromised. You know, it, it could be something silly like someone carrying a USB stick or opening an email, whatever. Uh, and they will have severe impact, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because they didn't have security in place, whatever. Well, then everyone in their industry is super concerned about it, right? And they all are worried about the same thing happening to them, even though the details may not be fully understood. Well, given our visibility and given our telemetry and given our global footprint across so many different vectors, we can actually look and we can actually say, hey, you know what? Out of the entire industry, out of our entire visibility, we saw two samples at that competitor on these systems. This is not a global campaign. This is a targeted attack, a very small attack against a very specific target. Uh, and so you know, we can help not only understand that, but we can help frame that for other customers so that they're aware that if they are targeted, they're not going to see a million samples, right? They're going to see a very right. small number of samples likely targeted a very specific user potentially in these roles. And they don't necessarily need to panic and go in guns blazing. Instead, they can sit back and take a more uh, you know, targeted approach
0: no, it makes sense because then then you just have uh, the customer just has their blinders on, and that's that's all they care about. that's all they're worried about right and and it's you you give that uh, additional insight as to the scope, whether it's larger or smaller uh, than that than that customer is uh, is looking at right
2: right i mean no no news story ever wants to say. Hey, this terrible malware campaign that we saw against two users in the Middle East, right? That that doesn't get clicks. Instead, <laughs> instead they'd love to say, "Hey, entire manufacturing facilities down in flames!" Ah, panic, 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 panic. Click, 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 and read. Um, and the reality is, yes, sometimes that is the case. Sometimes right. you do need to snap to attention and you need to read everything you can consume about it. But other times, it's not necessarily uh, the world's on fire emergency. You know, it's it's a very isolated incident. Maybe it's a very simplistic sample. Maybe it was deployed in a very unsophisticated way and a user just had a bad judgment calling, clicked on a piece of malware. So with the visibility, we can provide that insight and that can really help customers understand the threat that they face and what they need to do as far as resources to defend themselves.
1: Yeah. And Craig, if I'll piggyback on that just a bit, right? So if we go back to the the concept of iron on demand and sitting in a room with your responders, right? The ability to say, hey, is this something I really should be concerned about and getting an answer very quickly, that's invaluable, right? And again, that's, as I always say, we don't necessarily nickel and dime our our customers, right? That's not what we want to do here. And if it's, you know, Hey, it's a five minute question or 10 minutes of research, we're we're not going to, we're not going to charge you for it. I'd rather you ask that question and say, Hey, do I need to spin up a full blown emergency response here? Or is this just a one-off and I can just maybe blow away the box and reimage it. Right. That's, um, that's a huge difference.
2: Sorry. I'm, I'm silently nodding over here. (laughs) (laughs) I heard the rocks rattling. Um
0: Sean can, <laughs> I just got that. That's good. <clears throat> Sean um without getting into uh a story that you you can't tell or would get you in trouble. Um I, I'd like to dive deeper in, in, into kind of um maybe an example of uh an IR engagement um that that you can that you can tell us about, you know, kind of where some of the the different um uh, you know facets came into play right like w- where the the ir kind of g- gameplay and 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 the processes that you guys go through uh really shown through can you can you give us a, a a story a war story about that
1: gosh i mean there, there's so many um they start running you know they start running in my head you know i, I think first and foremost the when i think of any story it goes back to the people and the processes that we have here at Cisco, right? That's the first and foremost. And I think Craig kind of hinted at it. That's not necessarily something you can buy, right? Um, you can't duplicate that. Um, a lot of our competitors will maybe say they have it. It's not necessarily true, right? So when you look at the people we have, the experience that they bring to the table, the things that they've seen, the things that they've done, the reality that they have dealt with, uh, things that the world has never seen before, right? Like like Netya, for example, right? We didn't have a playbook for that. Um, and we said, okay, what are we going to do? We're like, well, let's just draw on our years and years of experience and figure it out, um, and go from there. So I, I think that's invaluable, and I and I always start everything with that. So, in particular, I, I'm thinking of one. You know, we'll say I think it was a healthcare uh, organization. We'll say a hospital, right? Uh, and they were dealing with with a ransomware outbreak. I think it was, I believe it was Emotet and IceID. Uh, and I think they just had some basic stuff out in their network. And to be fair, that is not uncommon, right? So when I mentioned that we bring in, uh, you know, our enterprise class tools if needed, right? So we for endpoints, Umbrella, uh, StealthWatch, uh, Duo. It, it's not uncommon for us to deploy, you know, multiple uh, solutions, because frankly, our customers are maybe not necessarily defended properly, right? So we were able to bring that in, um, provide, we'll say, better coverage, get some better telemetry, um, and then ultimately respond. And I think in this case, they were hit, they were not necessarily being able to block anything. Uh, I would also caution, they didn't have cyber insurance or external legal counsel to protect them either. And, And that'll, we'll put a pin in that, so to speak, and then I'll come back to that point in a minute. Um, so we saw the, or the customer saw the initial infection. I want to say at like nine in the morning, give or take, you know, right. As people are rolling into the office, which is, you know, kind of the worst thing ever. Um, and then we jumped in, I want to say about a day and a half later. And this is one of those cases where I cannot stress enough. You should have an incident response firm on retainer. Now, obviously I'd love everybody to have Cisco on retainer right? That's that's what we do here all day, every day. But a day and a half to call around and get quotes, get pricing, see if you like the people, do you trust them? You know, is their package going to fit you? You're wasting time. And I think by the time we had actually been engaged, I think there are a couple hundred systems already knocked over. And this is a fully functioning hospital, mind you, right? And these are things you read about in the news. You didn't necessarily read about this one, right? Right. Um, So we jump into action, and I would say the first thing that we uh, always do, right, is we have our commanders leading the way. So we actually have incident commanders, right? It's pretty cool, right? It's a cool title. Uh, And these guys are like, look, we've done this before. This is what we need to do. Boom, boom, boom. But again, going back to not necessarily having us on retainer, there's a little bit of, hey, we don't know if we trust you. We don't know if we want to follow this plan. Uh, We don't know if we want to deploy this technology, Right? And it's like, guys, we should have thought about this before. Right, These are right. things that you need to do and be proactive about it and not wait for that rainy day to show up. So uh, it took us, I want to say, about half a day, maybe a little bit more, to get agreement on deploying AMP for endpoints. So we actually shotgunned AMP for endpoints out to only the infected systems, right? And this was not necessarily our decision. We said, well, look, we want to just blanket coverage, get it out there. We can usually deploy AMP within hours, you know, across thousands of thousands of endpoints. Um, it is, it's, it's a huge win if we can get that out. But they'd only agreed to doing the infected systems. Unfortunately, it was still spreading at that point, right? So we were trying to get ahead of it. We couldn't. Ultimately talk them in. I want to say it was two and a half days later at this point where they finally said, look, just get AMP out there everywhere. And they said, look, we'll listen to everything you have to say. Um, Go, 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 go. And that's great. We got in there, squashed it, um, continued to do a lot of cleanup. I think we deployed Umbrella in there as well. Um, And we got them back on the right track. Now, this is where I'll put a pin in it. And they got extremely lucky because when we're going through and doing this type of work and we're shotgunning things out, there's opportunities for um, missteps, right? And in this case, there was actually an operating room that was being in use and actually got shut down as part of this, right? And by not having cyber insurance or legal counsel, right, to protect you, um, that was something that was, fortunately, nothing happened, but it was something that could have been a lot worse, right? So, To me, that's one of those stories that just kind of resonates with me that, you know, there was no necessary um, retainer in place. There was no uh, thinking ahead. There was no planning ahead. And, again, there was not even the aspect of having legal counsel in there to protect yourselves in the event something did happen, which in this case, I mean – I don't want to go too far, but that could have been pretty bad um, where, you know, hey, if you get some boxes knocked over, that's one thing. But now you're dealing with folks that are, you know, maybe, um, you know, in surgery. That's not something I necessarily want to mess with. Yes, so, when the computer's on um, my organs, that's concerning. Yeah, that's it's really concerning, right? So that's... <laughs> To me, you know, it's it, it was a win, I guess you will say, from the IR team. I think the you know the team did a great job there, helped the customer out, um, got them recovered there within a couple of days. Um, but a lot of lessons learned out of that one, I think. You,
0: you mentioned cyber insurance and legal counsel, and mm-hmm. that's that's not somewhere that that Cisco plays directly, right? I mean, is there recommendations
1: there or anything that you can uh, allude to? Uh, I mean, I can go a lot further than alluding to it. Um, so, uh, the reality is, IR has morphed. It's evolved. It's changed, right? So, I remember, you know, when I was doing this ten years ago, it was all secret squirrel. I was, you know, had a security clearance. I was in briefings in the Pentagon, right? No, I was not allowed to talk to anybody about what I was doing. And now, it's a lot different, right? Everything's in the news. Everybody's uh, talking about it. And the reality is. It's a lot more than just IR and Intel at this point. And there's a lot of, we'll say, softer skill side of the house stuff that goes on. And what we do on the IR team a lot is interfacing with um, cyber insurers and uh, legal counsels like lawyers, right, If if you will. And there are a number of key players out there, and uh, what what I've been doing and some of the members of my team have been doing is going out there and forging relationships with um, some of those large players right who we run into the field time and time again, so it's not uncommon um especially when the uh, incident's kicking off to First and foremost, for us to recommend, please get your legal counsel um, on the phone. We want to talk to them, make sure everything is under attorney-client privilege, right? As we move forward, Um, and then secondly, who is your cyber insurer? Because we want to make sure that we have that relationship set up with them ahead of time. Because there's essentially there's going to be a claim at on on at the end of the day, right? So it's really you know I I need to think of a better term here. Right? I'm not a marketing guy. Maybe Craig can help me out. But it's really become kind of a trifecta of folks that you need to have essentially on retainer on call, right? Which is your cyber insurer, your instant response firm, and your legal counsel. So what more do you want to know there? Because we have been doing that for years now and it is, it just continues to change. Maybe about a year ago, I I, I thought I remember some uh,
0: partnership that uh, Cisco had announced with uh, mm-hmm. a, a cyber insurance organization.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you you guys leverage a lot? Um, you know, I can talk to it. Um, I've actually been in conversations recently um, at a very strategic level with uh, those, same, those same firms. So if you recall, uh, Tim Apple or Tim Cook, as some people like to call him, uh, got on the stage with, with, with our Chuck, um, you know, our CEO, and, and um, we're talking about the partnership. So it was basically between uh, Apple, Cisco, um, Allianz, and Aon. Right, so there is two players in there from the cyber insurance realm, and then two players from the, um, we'll say, technology side of the house. And effectively, what it was is if the customer has a ransomware defense suite and it uses Allianz for their cyber insurance on the back end, they actually got additional coverage uh, through their cyber insurance and. I'll go, I'll say this, you know, usually when I bring this up, a lot of CISOs look at me and they're going, well, I, I don't quite understand my cyber insurance already. I think I have it. And I'm like, guys, you need to understand that thing inside and out, right? You need to go get your hands on the policy. Take a look at it. Trust me, it's not, it's not usually too big. I think, I think Cisco's document is like uh, I don't know six or eight pages, right? You can easily read through it. Um, but the things that come with that ransomware defense and cyber insurance are huge right? So first and foremost, it comes with coverage for damaged hardware. So we'll say if you're, and it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. I don't think I've ever seen it in the real world, but say your firewalls and your routers and switches get knocked over and you need to replace them. There's coverage for that, right? Which is nice, right? Secondly, there's earlier coverage for business income loss. And what that means is a lot of people don't quite understand that their cyber insurance usually has a delay of when it will kick in. And what that means is maybe you're going through a ransomware event. Maybe there's a denial of service, whatever it might be that is causing an interruption in your business. You actually have to wait eight hours before your cyber insurance will kick in. Right. That is a long, that's a whole business day. Right? That's, hmm. that's, that that could be millions of dollars in loss right there that you're not covered for. And this goes to an immediate coverage, right? That's huge. The fourth one, uh, or the third one I'll say, is lower deductibles. So if you have that ransomware defense suite, you have your insurance with Allianz, you get a lower deductible. And that is, a, I think, 90% discount from your deductible. So say you have a $100,000 deductible. Well, now it's only $10,000, right? That kind of makes calling in a lot easier. Um, and as I kind of joke, I'm like, gosh, I wish I had like a 90% lower deductible for when my, uh, uh, my car gets into an accident. That's pretty awesome. Uh, And then last but not least, and this is the one that um, I I know when I use this slide, when I go out and talk and do the circuits and all that good stuff, people start taking pictures. There's a CISO severance reimbursement package in there. So if you think about it, we'll just put it another way. There's a golden parachute for the CISO in the event something happens. Right. So sorry. Bad luck. Here's a half million dollars. Um, Thank you very much right? That is huge, right? If you think about... Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's where everybody starts taking pictures and go, "What do I got to buy?" and "Who am I talking to?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind having a, a golden parachute like that. I actually asked myself, but then they, they turned me down. So, um, say <laughs> so, so what, what's but that link uh, to apply for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think there's uh, there should be some news or news. There should be uh, links out on the C- uh, Cisco website um, if you want to look into that. But that is uh, that's something that I think we we launched what about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, And like I said, I've actually been in some, some strategic conversations about maybe adjusting it, maybe making it better. Uh, We don't quite know yet, but these are, these are industry defining and industry shaping things that we're trying to do, right? Because there's, again, there's that culmination of years and years and years of work that's been going on. And now, right, if you talk about the technology companies, the insurance companies, and frankly, even the, the, the legal firms out there, we're starting to come to the table together and say, Hey, how do we come together and, I don't know, packages better or help our customers um, and look at the world differently. That's important. I think, I think the big key takeaway here that
0: I'm, that I'm getting from everything you're saying here is that uh, planning is paramount, right? Going through and getting all these things lined up beforehand versus when you're in the middle of the, uh, of the, the shitstorm that is the, uh, the attack, right? Um it's, it is paramount to plan, make sure that you understand where your coverage is, um, you know, understand any gaps in coverage and either remediate that or, you know, put in some sort of plan in place to uh, ensure that you can work through that. You know, maybe maybe that's a, it's a, an OK gap in coverage that your organization can deal with. Uh, but being able to have these conversations, you know, when the, the waters are calm uh, is much better and, 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 and important to do versus uh, when you're in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you said it very well, and we've been beating the the proactive drum for years, right? Plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead, and it's it's disappointing at times that the folks that don't necessarily take that to heart, right? I would say this, right? If you think about the concept of having an IR firm on retainer, um, and again, if you look at Cisco's IR retainer, right, with dedicated consultants, the IR on demand, it really becomes an extension of your team. Right. And what mm-hmm. we really try to, to to preach and message to our customers is don't sit there and wait for the rainy day. Right. Bring us in. Right. Let us help you help yourself. Let's do this work proactively. And we can tell you story after story after story of organizations that you know brought us in. We did what we well, say a readiness assessment and then maybe we led to a tabletop exercise and then they actually have an emergency. Right. They get hit with something. And they tell us, "Wow, we are just way more confident now, having gone through and done some of this legwork ahead of time, right? Right? Um, it's it's invaluable." Yeah, and, and there's there's
0: definitely different levels to this, and I'll 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 spin this back over to the sales side a little bit too. I mean, there are mm-hmm. a ton of uh, events, whether they're threat hunting workshops or. Uh, sandboxes in dcloud or anything like that that we um, on the sales side can work with our customers to kind of showcase hey this is what we're looking at here. If you're, if you're not familiar with the Cisco security products uh, and, and you want to play around with something, you want to play the, the, the role of the attacker and the defender and do those exercises so that you can better understand the types of conversations that you should be having and the types of questions you should be asking, there's a great first step. Next step, let's talk to about the, the incident response retainer and, and the, the various uh, types of incident response SKUs that we have uh, you know, on demand, etc. And, and let's go down those rabbit holes. Let's make sure that, um, you know, you've got the coverage on the uh, the cyber insurance, legal counsel, et cetera, so that, again, you're not um, trying to, to fight this battle in, in the middle of everything, right? Um, I, I mean, what, what do you think? Is, is that kind of a good uh, course of action for, for customers that are, you know, really just starting off with this? Yeah,
1: that's a, it's a great question. And, you know, we want to bring it back to the sales side. And, and I'll say this. Sure, we sell... Incident response retainers. We sell emergency response. But what we're also selling is peace of mind, right? We're selling peace of mind for our customers who have maybe invested a lot in Cisco technology. And not only are we selling peace of mind for our customers, let's be frank, we're selling peace of mind for our account teams as well, right? Yeah. So who do we want going in on a client's worst day, helping them with an incident of whatever magnitude, is it Cisco or is it one of your competitors? Right. Think about that.
0: I, I wish I had some dramatic music to play for that. I probably I might overlay some on there later. The peace of mind thing is huge. And I, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's really what our customers are, are looking for. I mean, I, I came from the customer side before joining Cisco. I was the network admin for K12, which right now, I don't know if you guys um, – saw the latest stats, I think Connecticut uh, is number one in municipalities or, or school districts that have been uh, held uh, with ransomware, right? Mm. This was something that, you know, was top of mind for me. And, and as the network admin, I had a lot of hats. It was, if it, I would say if it had anything to do with the network or, you know, if it had any piece of electronic equipment in it, I was in charge of it, whether it was phones, content filtering, firewall. Uh, email whatever i I was in charge of it in, in some way shape or form and I think that's the same across the board with a lot of municipalities right I mean they're they're looking at lower budgets and stuff like that and they have to have uh, uh, their their it teams wear a lot of hats and and cover a lot of things and it's it's a lot to cover especially when you can pick up a, a paper or or watch the news, and every day there's something new. There's something uh, organization that's been compromised. There's a new variant of ransomware. Mm-hmm. Something's going on, and that that's the kind of stuff that that keeps them up at night. So, being able to, you know, basically sell a skew that's peace of mind, um, you know, that that's huge. And I think the uh, the the solutions that we're offering here uh, really really
1: take care of that. Yeah, you know, and, I, and the other thing I'd, I'd add to that is we have a lot of folks that think that we are only in like enterprise class customers. And that's not true, right? We have a number of them on retainer, don't get me wrong, but our sweet spot is actually uh, commercial and sled, believe it or not. And this is where, as you mentioned, they don't necessarily have the capability to either attract or hire, or retain, right? The, the individuals, the, the, the types of folks that you need to have here at the end of the day, and to you know, spend, we'll say, uh, less than it would cost to actually hire somebody per year, and you just know you have that peace of mind, you know you have somebody on call or an IR on demand room, that's huge, right? Now you can just say, hey, look, I'm going to check that box and call it a day, right? Um, we actually have a ton of uh, school districts uh, signed up on retainer. Um, so it's, uh, it's it's I think it's telling, I guess, is, is where I'm going with it. You know, the other thing I would mention, Brian, is as part of this we'll say relaunch uh, of cisco's talos instant response that we're coming out here on november 4th with what we've also done is we've gone through and reduced our base retainer so if you look at our base retainer i don't want to get in too far into the makeup of it Um, It was 160 hours, right? And we are very much an hours-driven business. And a lot of that goes back to some of the the things we've talked about, which is uh, law firms and and, um, uh, cyber insurance. It's very hourly driven. Um, But that said, we've lowered it to 120 hours, right? So we've actually taken the time to go through and look at all the incidents, all the proactive work that we've done, and say, look, we actually think we can get our customers into a smaller-sized retainer that should fit their needs, right? Which let's let's do the math, right? That's going to save them money. So, really, what we wanted to do is is um, lop some some dollars off the top and make it more affordable for folks. You know, like you mentioned, um, school districts, let alone you know in the commercial space, or uh, frankly, anybody. Let's be you know really fair there. And then, in just reality, if there is something and it's a major incident. Trust me, the the checkbooks come out and, you know, folks have never said, hey, I just want you to stop doing what you're doing and go home. It never happens, right? Um, but we are extremely diligent and efficient with uh, when it comes to emergencies. And it's actually something we pride ourselves on. So we really try not to um, have things linger or get long in the tooth. So I did want to throw that out there about the pricing changes because you should see, uh, gosh, I, I don't hold me to the exact number, but probably about a 20% uh, um Decrease. That's that's huge. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's a great
0: segue, Sean. Let's let's talk about this this new announcement here, this this revamping of IR. Let's uh, let's dive into that because I think this is uh, especially with the timing coming out two days after the public announcement. Um, let's let's dive into what that entails and 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 what's new in the IR space.
1: Yeah. So you know, I think first and foremost, it's the culmination of years of effort, and it's. You know, I think you, you got we got Craig and myself on the on the call here, um, or call here, <laughs> the podcast, right? I'm so used to being <laughs> in, we, in Webexes all day, um, but you have Craig and I here, and, and as Craig was kind of joking, he's like, "Hey, this is like uh, I'm having deja vu, where we've done so many of these together." Um, it's because it's just reality, right? We we have to have intelligence and IR, and they go together like peas and carrots, right? And. Mm-hmm. For, for years, we've worked together behind the scenes, and we've really said, look, it, it's time that we grow up, it's time that we evolve, and it's time that we, um, you know, put the the Talos branding on Instant Response, because its it, it's been that way for years anyway. And so, one of the things you'll see is a fancy new logo that's just coming out, right, which is going to be super cool, and I know my whole team's excited, and we're buying t-shirts and all that jazz, right? Um, so, it's going to be great. You know, I think you're going to see um, a little bit more added to our portfolio, right? So we talk about um, all this, the, the goodies that are baked into our IR retainer. But now one of the things that we've talked about, and I was talking to uh, Matt Wachinski, uh, the VP of Talos, I want to say a couple of weeks ago about it. And we said, look, we want to get people the ability to get Talos on the phone, right? So many people have asked how to buy Talos. Yep. And, you, and we just say, look, you can't buy Talos, right? Yep. Well, now you can't. Now you absolutely can. So we're going to get folks on the phone. We'll say four hours or eight hour consultation with, we'll say, Talos experts. And it, we don't know who that is, right? It could be maybe somebody who writes Snort signatures all day. Or maybe it's somebody who knows the oil and gas space. Or maybe it's just a responder, right, that you need to talk to. Um, so we're going to, we're going to open up those lines uh, of communication, open up that, uh, we'll say, avenue to, um, we'll say, the, the intelligence side of the house. I think we're also gonna have more actionable intelligence and insights for our customers. So we've already started doing this, um, I want to say maybe a month or so ago, as we've been kind of working on this behind the scenes, right? You don't just, you don't just press a button, it all works, you know, on day one, right? So we've been working on this for a while. And by providing those actionable insights to our customers in more real time, that is gonna be a huge value add to our retainer. Um, and I think Craig was talking about a little bit ago, right? It's it's not about necessarily being first; it's about being right. Right. So we're going to make sure that we, uh, if we see something evolving out there, if something's changing, if something's impactful enough, we're going to be getting out proper communications with actionable intelligence. You know, hopefully, usually in the form of IOCs, uh, maybe some recommendations on what they can do with that information, uh, and get that into the hands of our retainer customers. Right. So you're not necessarily buying a threat feed, but you're buying I'd say the output of, you know, one of the best, if not the best intelligence organization in the world, right? You're buying that output and then you're able to use that and put that in production. Um, you know, we've already talked about, you know, kind of the cyber insurance and, in, and, in, in legal firms, right. We're continuing to, uh, go down that path. We're not necessarily going to change anything. If anything, we're going to, um, do more, right. You know, figure out what do more means. Um, but that is where I'm committed, um, to trying to, we'll say, change, um, We'll see the industry. Don't want to go too far. Um, but but yeah, let's 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 change the industry, change the way we look at the world. And I think, um, you know, combining this with the power of Talos, I think we have the opportunity to do things we haven't thought of before. Right. If you just think about maybe some of the telemetry, maybe some of the reach, um, some of the global aspects of things, I, I think it's going to look a little bit different. Um, and then uh, last but not least, and I kind of hinted at it with my last statement, uh, the global aspect. So we are looking at how do we take um, a more global approach, right? And that's not necessarily something that we do a lot of um, at Cisco, right? We, we tend to be very regionalized, very focused on certain areas. And we said, look, for incident response, it's a different animal, right? And to be successful here, we really need to take a step back and look at the globe, um, in its entirety. And I think you're going to see some some changes there um, in terms of how we're able to respond, how we're looking at the world, how we're handling some of our customers, um, how some of the handoffs will work. And I think that is going to be a huge value add um, to our customers. So again, it's not necessarily, I don't know, a 180 you know, 180 degree turn from where we've been today. Again, it's to me just kind of a natural evolution of, of what, four and a half plus years of work? Yeah, I mean, I would almost view it like we're kind of opening the kimono a little bit, right?
2: I mean, the work we've been doing behind the scenes, the work we've been doing that we haven't been talking about, well, now we've formalized it. Now we put more official processes in place. And now that those are functioning really well, we're making it all public. That's
0: awesome stuff. Very exciting. Uh, And we'll be sure to put a link to um, this announcement and uh, uh many of the topics as uh, we've talked about as we can in the show notes. Um, But again, a lot of, a lot of great key takeaways here uh, in terms of, of planning um, and a lot of exciting uh, announcements with coming from the IR side of the house uh, and better integration with Talos and the ability to speak with someone uh, like a Craig Williams. I I do appreciate um, both of your time on, on uh, on this podcast and for uh, taking the time to speak with uh, speak with us here and I'll just, I'll go around the horn real quick uh, see if there's
2: anything, uh, any final thoughts either of you guys like to say, Craig, uh, any, anything uh, you'd like to add? You know, I just wanted to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. You know, feel free to check out talusintelligence.com for more information on Talus and IR. Uh, there you can view our research, you can sign up for our podcast and you can sign up for our Threat Source newsletter, which will have all the latest talos information. Awesome. Um, and Sean, any, any final thoughts uh, from you?
1: No, you know, I, I, again, I just want to thank you for, for having me on today and um, in, in couldn't pick a better uh, partner to have here with with Craig. And I, I would echo what Craig said, right? Check out talosintelligence.com. Um, and the last thing I will leave for for any of our sellers out there is go and ask your CISOs that you're working with who your cyber insurance company is and who their external counsel is. I think that's going to really open their eyes. I think that's going to be a game changing uh, conversation to have with them. That's, that's a great point, and, and as I try to wrap
0: up with uh, with each episode here, um, if you have any questions about any of the things here, please be sure to reach out with your Cisco account team um, you know, in, in conjunction with your CISOs, um, and, and, and let's put together a plan, let's work together and put a plan in place. Um, so thank you both again for joining, and thank you for listening to ConfT with with SE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can get notified when we publish an episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to
2: save that config.